0: Put your hands together for Jesus. Happy to be here today? I'm happy you're at church. I want to just take a moment and do a shout out to Cape Coral and to all of our City First Anywhere locations. And come on, put your hands together for God Behind Bars. Dixon and Hardy, we love you guys very much. Thank you for being here. You know, we've already talked a little bit about the amazing response that uh, your church, our church, has done in Southwest Florida and Cape Coral. Um, I'm not going to expound on that long. I just want to take a moment and say thank you. Thank you on behalf of Jen and I for your generosity, for your gifts, for your present giving, for your future giving. We're gonna be in this for a little while. Um, The cameras cannot capture uh, how bad the devastation is, to be honest with you. It's gonna be a long time of cleaning up and and bringing love and restoration to Southwest Florida. So um, if you wanna keep up with what's going on down there, follow us on social media, especially Instagram. Uh, It's showing a lot of what the real-time efforts are And so, uh, thank you again. Just thank you on behalf of Jen and I. You are such an amazing church. And today we begin a, uh, well, we actually are in a series called uh, Energy Vampires. And what we're talking about with Energy Vampires is overcoming feelings that suck the life of out of us all right and uh, we're gonna have a real talk about some of these emotions that we have to navigate sometimes on a weekly basis sometimes on a daily basis and last week if you were here at city first or watch online you saw that i had filmed the message actually from southwest florida from cape coral Um, The hurricane happened on Wednesday. We were able to get in late on Thursday night. Myself and one of our videographers named Matt were able to fly in Thursday night into Miami. We bought literally the last tickets on two separate flights to get there. Got up on Friday morning really early And it was Matt and I and about 20,000 linemen and bucket trucks that were driving across Alligator Alley over to uh, Cape Coral, which is about a three hour drive from Miami. And once we got into Cape Coral, um, it's kind of hard to explain the devastation and the destruction and just all of the damage that was done from this hurricane, but we uh, started filming, and we were there uh, filming for the message, and to be able to bring the message back to us as a church, so that we can, like, you know, not only raise awareness, but be able to raise finances and be able to get teams going. In fact, even as we speak right now, there is a team. Our second team is there right now. Um, a bunch of leadership college students are there, and they're serving, and it's uh, it's awesome. We're going to start getting teams from the church going. We have to get kind of like an established uh, boots-on-the-ground kind of area there to be able to house people and do those things before we can start running uh, larger teams and such. But anyway, we had arrived into Cape Coral, and uh, we filmed until about 8 p.m. that night, and there was no water, no electricity And we really didn't eat anything because none of the grocery stores or, you know, restaurants, nothing was open, literally. Because, again, with no food, no electricity, nothing was open. And uh, we started to drive back to Miami that night about 8 p.m. It was dark by this point. And it was so strange because we're driving down like major thoroughfares through Cape Coral and Fort Myers. And there are no lights, just our headlights. It was like we were driving out in the country here in Illinois in the middle of cornfields. I mean, literally no lights at all. And as we're driving, get on the highway, going south to then go east back to Miami so that we could fly home and get the footage here to, to edit it and everything. Uh, we're just south of Naples, and all of a sudden I noticed that there were some lights on at some strip centers along the highway. And, and I was like, Matt, they must have electricity. And sure enough, we keep driving, and there it was, glowing like a beacon in the darkness the golden arches of mcdonald's are there you know and i was like matt i'm like there there's a mcdonald's it's open you know we hadn't eaten all day i mean we were like starving we're hungry so we pull off and we go and it wasn't a real mcdonald's it was a real mcdonald's but not a real mcdonald's it was one that was in a gas station and and so i didn't care we were just like let's go you know uh in fact kind of Anytime you go to McDonald's, you're really saying, I don't care. But anyway, uh, (laughs) so I'm like, I don't care. Let's go. And so we get in line, and and there's this long line of cars. Because again, all the restaurants, everything is closed. There's this line of dozens and dozens of cars that go out of the parking lot, down the street, And so we get in line and it's just this crawl waiting to get up and order. Finally, after a long time, we get to the ordering menu and I say, I will take a quarter pounder meal and a Coke. And all of a sudden the little voice on the other end of the speaker goes, I'm sorry, we're closed. And I go... No, 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 no. You see, we've been in this line for like ever. And then secondly, I'm like watching the truck. There's a pickup truck right in front of me and they're pulling up to pay right now. In fact, I'm seeing them hand their credit card out of the window. I'm like, you're not close. They're like, no, I'm sorry. We're close. And I said, well, did you run out of food? Because that's a real thing. Like, I mean, you know, they only had so much food before the hurricane and and such and lost power and everything. Did you run out of food? And he goes, no, we're not out of food. We're closed. I said, when did you close? And he goes, nine o'clock. I looked down to the clock in my rent a car. It was 9.04. No joke. And at that moment, I had to bite my tongue. Let's just say that. And I, I looked behind me, and it was us, and there were two other cars, and that was it. Like we were at the very end of this ungodly long line. And that we'd been in line forever. And I said, bro, I go, there's three of us left. I go. Can you just put a hamburger on the griddle? Can you just do that? And I'm trying to negotiate through the speaker here. And I said, "We just got done. There was a hurricane, by the way. I know you know about it. We just got done doing work up in like Cape Coral. We're filming. We're going to be bringing in like truckloads of food and water and generators. I'm like, we were filming so that we could like mobilize the troops and make this happen. I mean, I'm I'm like doing everything I can to pull heartstrings." over the speaker you know and uh, he says no we're closed and at that moment I remembered I had a staff member with me in the car (laughs) and I thought you know what it's just best to close my mouth because whatever I say from this point on I'm going to regret later I'm going to be asking for forgiveness from God later you know And so today, the energy vampire topic I want to talk about is the emotion of anger. (laughs) Anger, right? Now, listen, in all honesty, can I just be honest, for me to not get a quarter pounder meal after just visiting an area of our nation that was devastated by a hurricane where people lost their entire lives, can I tell you, it's not that big of a deal that I didn't get a quarter pounder. In fact, it's pretty trite when you put it in comparison and context, right? And that's actually what I did. When I drove away, it was like the Holy Spirit said, Jeremy, everything you just saw for the last 12 hours, compare it to what you just experienced. And at that point, I'm like, yes, Lord, you're right. This is not a big deal. This is not a big deal. But this is what I know. I know in our lives... Wherever we live, no matter where we work or where we go to school, there are things that daily can trigger our anger, whether they're big things that are legit or small things that are pretty trite, we get triggered. And I don't know if you noticed lately, but uh, America's kind of angry. Like, I mean, just watch the news or watch online or read the blogs or like read the comment sections of like, you know, news articles or whatever. People are Angry, and this is what I know many of us live with anger, maybe even seasonally or periodically. And what it does is it sucks the life out of you. Because this is the thing you can't be angry and have a good day, you can't be angry and be a blessing to someone else. Sometimes, when you're angry, it's even hard to pray. It's hard to even want to do the right things because anger is an energy vampire and it sucks the life out of you. So here's the thing. All of us are going to deal with anger. Today is not a message of don't be angry. I've been to those kind of services before where pastors get up and be like, you shouldn't be angry. And I want to shout out, do you live in the real world? (laughs) Because There are reasons to be angry, and listen, we will be angry from time to time. So we will deal with anger. It's all how we deal with anger that counts. So today, it's not a message of don't be angry. It's a message of how to deal with anger. It's it's not whether you're going to deal with it. It's how you're going to deal with it. So dealing with anger, it begins in a healthy way of self-awareness. And we must take a step back from the anger, and we need to figure out the source, and we need to look at some things. In fact, there's a counselor named uh, Gary Chapman who wrote a book on anger, and he said this, Although we normally think of anger as an emotion, it is really a cluster of emotions, hear this, involving the body mind and will what that's telling me is this what made you angry today it might have been someone who cut you off in the parking lot of our church and took your parking place i don't know what made you angry today is not really the problem it's a whole list of things that have happened it's a whole bunch of things that maybe have been brewing on the inside and I'll tell you, just today what happened was just the trigger. It was like lighting the fuse that all of a sudden made the stick of dynamite explode, right? In 1977, there was a professor at the University of Massachusetts named James Averill, and he did a survey, like kind of like did a study on anger, and he put together a 14-page questionnaire that he wanted his subjects to fill out about anger. And he thought to himself, there's no way in the world that anybody's going to fill out a 14-page questionnaire on anger. But guess what? People were glad to do it. Why? Because people deal with it. And this questionnaire said things asked like, did you get angry this week? And if so, did you want to get back at somebody? Did you want to take revenge? I mean, there's all these different questions. And it ended up being the best performing survey out of his entire career. No joke. And they came up with two findings number one is this most people said they feel angry mild or moderate anger several times a week often several times a day so for me to say don't be angry you would have to be teleported out of this world because here's the thing all of us encounter situations that trigger us many times a week sometimes many times a day second finding is this, is that when people got mad, they most likely tried to improve their situation. That's a good thing, by the way. That means that anger can actually drive you to goodness. It can drive you to a bettering of the situation if you deal with anger correctly. According to the authors of the book, Big Feelings, there are four myths about anger. Now, this is the thing I want to warn you. I'm about ready to go into hyperdrive and I'm going to give you so much information on anger and how to deal with anger. It is going to be like I'm unscrewing like the valve of the fire hydrants. All right. I want to give you a warning on this because I hope that you get our app. I hope that you follow along so you can go back later because there's no way you're going to be able to retain everything I'm about ready to say. But I'm going to give you everything that I got right now on this within this, like, short period of time. And here's the reason why. Because we live in an angry culture, and anger is like a pandemic right now. So I want to give you first four myths about anger. Number one is this, that you should suppress your anger. That's a lie. You should suppress it. Some of you, you stuff it, stuff it, stuff it, right? Here's another one. Number two, another myth. We are reliable judges Of who is angry. In other words, we know who's angry in our lives, who's not, and I'll tell you that's a myth because sometimes people have a smile on their face and you would never know that deep down inside they are fighting the rage. They're fighting a rage. Number three is this, venting makes you feel better. That's a lie. In fact, science will tell you that As you vent, as you, like, you know, lash out, as you kick the dog, whatever it is, all right, it only escalates the feeling of anger over time. It does not diminish it. Chronic venting does not deal with the root issue that's creating the anger. So, therefore, you'll vent, but you never dealt with the issue, so you actually feel worse. Fourth thing is this. Anger is usually triggered by a specific event, That also is a lie. Like I just talked about, it's not usually one event. Not usually, I mean sometimes, but not usually. It's most of the time, a series of events. And all it was, that last thing, Karen cutting you off in the grocery store checkout lane, all right? That one thing triggered you, but really it was the stress in the marriage. It was the stress of your schedule, trying to get your kids to all of the soccer games on time. It was the financial pressure, it was the sickness you're dealing with, it was the person at the office that has been a problem for a long time, it was whatever. It's all of these things. It's kind of like a big bundle of yarn all tied up inside of you. It's not just one thing, it's a lot of stuff. In fact, Ralph Waldo Emerson one time said this. He wrote, What lies behind us and what lies before us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us and my point of that is it's what's in you that matters and some of us have anger that has been stored up things that have happened that maybe even for days or weeks or decades are there and God wants us to deal with those things I grew up in the 80s and there was a song that they played non-stop it drove me crazy non-stop on the radio and it was a song called don't worry be happy remember that? It's kind of had a Jamaican feel to it. Don't worry, be happy. I can't sing it. I don't sound Jamaican. I sound like a Dutch person trying to sound Jamaican. Anyway, but anyway, so this is the thing. It had this like this vibe to it, don't worry, be happy. And I'm like, that may have worked in 1988 or whenever that was. But in 2022, don't worry, be happy feels a little tone deaf, doesn't it? Because of everything going on. So here's the thing. People tend to be angry Uh, Because of three reasons, all right? First one is this, someone has hurt them. Someone's hurt them. And um, you know what? Someone's hurt you. And you are having a hard time getting over that. And it's legit. It's real. It's not fake. You're not being weak. Somebody's hurt you. Somebody's disrespected you. Somebody has done something to you, and it's made you angry. Second source is circumstances have disappointed you. In other words, things that are outside of your control have happened. Maybe it's a sickness. Like if you're in southwest Florida right now, maybe it's a hurricane, right? I mean, something that was out of your control, something that, you know, it was layoffs, and it was a decision made way up the chain. You didn't make that decision, but there were layoffs at your company. There were, you know, your your 401k is unfortunately losing money, not gaining money right now. It's out of your control, right? It's making you angry. It's making you angry. Third thing, third source is that people have disappointed themselves. And sometimes that happens because if I can be honest, we're, the, the worst hypocrite we know is us. I mean, really. I mean, we, we know what we should do and the standards we should live at and what we should say and shouldn't say. And unfortunately, we many times cross lines and we do things that disappoint ourselves. And so some people can be angry at themselves, too, and we all can get there. There's a story in the Old Testament, God, my name Moses. Most of you heard him before. Even if it's your first time at church, you've heard of Moses, right? And uh, Moses had anger issues. Uh, you may not know this about him, but he, he had an anger problem. And, and uh, for 40 years, he faithfully led the children of Israel, which are hundreds of thousands of people. In fact, some theologians believe 3 million people, okay? So listen, he's a leader of a large group of people. And he's having to navigate them from Egypt where they've been in slavery for 400 plus years now to the promised land and it takes 40 years to take a 3 week trip. So some of you that when you have you know you take a detour when you're traveling somewhere you get frustrated imagine being Moses he knows this is only supposed to take 3 weeks it's taken 40 years. It's because the people are wandering around in the wilderness and and they're full of disbelief and they're complaining and he's having to be a leader he's actually a great leader he's having to put up with a lot of people's junk. And, 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 you know, he's being led by God. He's being used by God. There's miracles happening. And towards the end, they're about ready to go into the promised land. The end of this 40 years that he's led, God tells him to look at a rock and to speak to the rock. And God was going to do a miracle. And water was going to flow out of the rock so the people could actually drink water. Now, this seems odd to us, but Moses has been a part of all kinds of miracles. Like, he was a part of, like, raising his staff and the Red Sea goes whoosh. So this is not too hard from God. There's no disbelief there. But Moses is tired. And can I tell you something about tiredness? Tiredness is truth serum. When you get tired, you tend to say things that maybe you're right, but you shouldn't say. Right? And, and I could tell you, when I'm tired, I find my filter's starting to go away. I find that my, my, my leash on my tongue isn't as as short as it needs to be, <laughs> and, and so Moses is tired. He's been dealing with four decades of people complaining and all kinds of problems, and he is worn down. Can I just say this? Can we kind of resonate with Moses for a moment? How many of you could say by upper raised hand, people sometimes wear you out, <laughs> right? All of us. It could be family, friends, co-workers, students, right? People wear you out, and uh, it says this in Romans, or excuse me, in Numbers chapter 20. Then he and Aaron summons the people to come and gather at the rock, because he's going to speak to the rock, right? But instead, this is what he does. Listen, this, is what, this is how Moses addresses the people of God. Listen, you rebels. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with his staff, and water gushed out, which means the miracle still happened. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land that I am given them. In other words, God says, Moses, I'm tapping you out. I'm calling for the bullpen now. You're going to have a seat. Instead, I'm going to have another leader take them into the promised land. You disqualified yourself. Now, here's the thing. In modern-day, like, translation of the Bible, if we were to make it the J.D.V. version, the Jeremy DeWert version here, this is kind of like what we would say in, like, in modern-day America. Moses stood up in front of the people and said, hey, you morons. Hey, you idiots. Okay? That's really what he was saying there. His tone was really bad. His tone was wrong. And 40 years of pent-up aggression... Was coming out at that moment. Now, I will also say this. It feels a little unfair for God to do this. Forty years of faithful service, and now, son, Moses loses his mind at one moment and says some things, and now, son, God says you're disqualified. Well, here's a couple thoughts on that. Number one, we're human. God is God, and He's a just and a perfect God. And this is when I know we can't really determine what's fair or not from our perspective. I mean, we're just. We can't understand God. We can't understand the complexities of everything. So when we look at God and go, God, it's not fair, really, at the end of the day, we don't have clear perspective on that, right? We really don't. But secondly, and this is the one I want you to listen to. Secondly, I think the real reason why Moses wasn't able to go into the promised land and no longer was the people's leader is because he lost credibility. He lost credibility. He lost his mind. He was a hothead in the moment. And he lost credibility. Let me ask you this. Has anyone ever lost it on you? And if so, deep down inside, didn't they lose a little credibility? And I think what happened there is that, I'm sorry, if Moses is standing up in front of the people and calls them idiots for the most part, again, modern day translation, I don't think they're going to follow him. I think at that point, he lost credibility as a leader. God knew that and said, Moses, you've done well, but I'm going to have you actually take a seat. i got to bring a new leader that has credibility to go into the promised land because these people aren't going to follow you anymore. And I know all of us are thinking of times that we lost it. We said something we shouldn't have said. We were a hothead. We did something that we shouldn't have done. And at that moment, we're questioning, did we lose credibility? Probably. I can think of times that I, even as a leader, even as a pastor, I've done things. I remember one time, Jen reminded me of this in between services, actually. I remember one time when I was young adult pastor here, I ran a program called Master's Commission, which is now the Leadership College. We had spent weeks preparing for um, our graduation. We put together a video, and back then, this was in the 90s, I mean, trust me, it wasn't as easy to edit videos back then as what it is now, and, and we had put together this video, we had spent lots of money, we put together printed pieces, and we were going to try to get a partner's ministry going because we needed people to give so that we could give scholarships, and we were hoping that night to raise $20,000, and it was a big deal, and I remember we had prepared, and I gave this like moment in the service, and the place is full, this room actually, and I remember that I went to go play the video, and they had just installed a brand new projector up in the ceiling, but someone didn't plug it in right. And we didn't know it until that moment. And all of a sudden, we go, go play the video, and the video didn't play. And this was like our whole strategy was riding on this video, and it didn't play. And at that moment, I remember I said, well, unfortunately, this $10,000 piece of junk that's in our ceiling is not playing. And I remember the senior pastor, his name was Sam Mayo, Saint. He was sitting on the front row, and literally his head, he goes, oh, God. <laughs> Thankfully, a lot of grace went to the young adult pastors. Let me just say that. And, uh, and you know what? I, uh, I, I think I lost a little credibility that day, you know? And, and here's the thing. In life, you may be right, but your attitude and your actions can make you wrong. I don't think Moses was wrong. The people were rebellious. He just shouldn't have said it that way. He should have led them better. He should have led them out of their rebellion. He should have done all those things, but he, you know, start just calling them names and, and being frustrated that he has to bring them water. I mean, think about that. The people are thirsty. He's like, do we have to do this? See, he had lost his way in his anger. And we can do that. We can or lose our way. But here's the good news, okay, ready? Good news is this. We can't change the past for those of us that have lost it or lost credibility, but we can all get better at dealing with anger in our future. And today I'm going to help you do it. In the remaining 10 minutes we have, I'm going to tell you exactly how to do it. I'm going to give you truths and I'm going to give you solutions. First, I'm going to start out with the truth. Truths about anger number one is this it is not unusual if others treat me wrong and do things I don't like. I know none of us go, Amen, right? No one says, Amen, that, but it's true. And when we paint an unrealistic picture that everyone is going to treat me like a king or a queen, or everyone is going to respect me, or everyone's going to do exactly what I tell them to do, or everyone is going to, you fill in the blank. The minute we paint that picture, it's unrealistic, and we live with great levels of disappointment and anger. Unfortunately, we live in a hopelessly broken world, and people are going to treat us wrong. And it doesn't mean it's right. I'm not giving those people a pass. I'm not saying they don't have a consequence. My point is, it's going to happen. And so it's a truth. Number two, it's not unusual to have circumstances that are beyond my control and that create a lot of disappointment. It it really, again, just because you give your life to Jesus doesn't mean your life is going to be easy and perfect. We still live... In a hopelessly broken world, there's sin, there's bad, there's an enemy that's trying to take us out, and someday we'll live in heaven. That will be the perfect world, but right now, we live in this world, and things are going to happen that are going to be very disappointing, very disappointing. Ask our church body, our friends, our brothers and sisters at City First about Hurricane Ian. That was out of their control, and now, literally, for the next couple few years, their life is going to be different because of it it's disappointing. Number three, anger is a behavior, therefore it can be changed. This is a oh, thank you, Jesus moment, all right? Because here's the reason why. Sometimes we think we're angry because of our, our, you know, nationality or our family of origin or whatever. We think, well, I can't help it. I'm just going to be an angry person because I'm Dutch, No, 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 no. Anger is a behavior, which means that you can change it. You can change it. You can get better. With God's help, you don't have to walk around angry, lashing out or doing things or saying things. Number four, anger is not always a sin or wrong. I want you to know that. That's true. In fact, you can be angry and it be okay. Okay, I, 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 and, and here in Ephesians chapter 4 it says this, when angry, do not sin. Which means the inference there is you can be angry and sin or not sin. In other words, you can be a, an angry person and you can dwell on it, you can start hating others, you can start getting bitter, you can get back at people and get revenge, you can shut down and just sit in your anger. See, that would be wrong. But you could also be angry like Jesus was angry. You're like, really? Yeah. Mark chapter 3, it says he, meaning Jesus, looked around at them angrily, all right? He looked at them angrily and was deeply saddened by their hard hearts. So he was, he was frustrated, but he didn't sin. Jesus was perfect. The Bible says very clearly that he was sinless, which means that he models for us how to be angry and not sin. He turned over tables in the temple, all right? Listen, <laughs> He cracked a whip. Read read that verse about like turning over tables in the temple. He he took a rope and he made a whip. Okay? We don't preach about that Jesus a lot. But here's the thing. Jesus was able to be angry and not sin. So those are all truths. All truths. Now let me give you the solutions. First solution is this. you got to identify your anger triggers. You have to do this. For all of us, it's a little bit different. Like, you know, some of you, you get triggered like when someone doesn't listen to you. Like, like, your anger is triggered when someone doesn't listen to you or someone disrespects you, and that just makes you frustrated. Or maybe someone doesn't do what they're supposed to do or doesn't take responsibility or circumstances don't go your way or the Packers win or whatever it is, all right? What's your trigger? What's your trigger? You see, you have to understand yourself well enough to know what your trigger is. And you have to know what triggers you. And I would say this, it even helps to get someone who's safe, that's close to you, to help you with this. Throughout the decades, my wife, Jen, has helped me with this. She gets angry. What triggers her is way different than what triggers me. And, and I'll tell you, she can tell, I'll, I'm going to talk about me, I won't talk about her, okay? But for me, she can tell when all of a sudden I'm starting to get triggered by different things. And there have been times that literally she said, Hey, Jer, I called your administrative assistant. I've canceled your appointments for the next afternoon. Um, Just, just, you need to, you just need to go out and, you know, go for a walk or, or rest because she can tell things are starting to brew inside of me. Oh, you need a spouse like that. You need a friend you need a coworker. You need a fellow student, a, someone in your life group. You need somebody that does that. Give them permission to do it, too. Give them permission to do it. Don't get angry at them when they point out your anger. Okay? So, number two, another solution. Understand how you react to anger. How you react. Because different people, when you're triggered, you do different things. Some people shut down. All right? We're going to be honest here. Okay? I'm almost done. Okay? How many of you, you're a shutter downer? (laughs) You shut down, okay? Um, Others, others become like super sarcastic or cutting with their words. Again, let's be honest, my hands up on this, all right? Yep, right? Some people, you become super negative, like all of a sudden, everything is terrible. The the whole world is glass half empty, not glass half full. How many of you become just super negative? All right. How about, you know, another way? I mean, I I haven't listened to them all. Let me just say this. What are your triggers? How do you respond? What are your triggers? How do you respond? Many of us respond in three different ways. You're a suppressor. say, what's a suppressor? That means you stuff it. You get angry. What do you do? just stuff it. You put it somewhere deep in your heart, you just pretend that you're okay, and you stuff it. Over time, even doctors will tell you that is not good. Instead, process it safely with someone, or even the one that maybe made you angry. Let me give you words to say, right? This is what you say. When you did blank, it made me feel blank when you said this i became frustrated when you did this or when you didn't do this it made me feel this way put words to it and process it out loud safely all right so don't stuff number two projectors some of us are projectors this is kind of the stereotypical mad person angry person you know, this is where you, like, punch holes in the wall or throw things or whatever else. And, and here's the thing. With that, um, that actually, if you project and you become toxic or you do very unhealthy things physically, emotionally, verbally, it actually does not make the anger go away, psychologists say. It actually just makes it worse. So here's what you do. Here's here's the solution. If you're a projector, do something else physically that is not a toxic reaction. What do I mean by that? Well, you, you know, you get angry and you want to punch a wall or you want to go like tell somebody off. Instead, go take a walk, get on the treadmill, do some burpees, take some deep breaths, go outside in nature. I mean, I'm telling you, they've studied this. It actually helps to drain the anger away. that make sense? Walk away from the environment that's making you angry and do something physical. Get out there. Do something healthy and not toxic. Third thing, controllers. Controllers are people that deny they're angry. They just kind of control everything. Here is a meme of a controller. I'm fine. Some of you are this. Like, you just, no I'm not angry. I'm not angry. This is different than a stuffer. A stuffer goes, yeah, I'm angry, and I'm going to stuff it. A person who's kind of a controller is like in denial. No, I'm not angry. Uh, Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Now, here's the problem with that. The problem is you're not really dealing with the issue that made you angry when you deny that you're angry. So it is okay to admit you're angry. Do you hear that? In fact, it's okay to say this. Here's the solution. I'm upset, and it is okay. Some of you today, it sounds so weird. You never thought I would say this. You never thought you'd come to church and hear this. But I'm giving you permission to be angry, but to do it without sin. See, some of you need permission. You need to have permission about what happened in your family to be angry about. You need permission to be angry about what that person said or did to you. It's okay. But now, process it in a healthy way. Remember when some of you were kids, and I don't even know if they still teach this or not in schools, but when I was in school, they said that if you ever, an article of clothing that you're wearing catches on fire, you're supposed to do three things. Stop, drop, and roll. I don't even know if they still do this or not, but this is what they used to teach. So as we close, in one minute here, I'm going to tell you, stop, drop, and roll. And you're going to remember this. What, how, do you, how do you respond correctly? Stop. Stop the default response response or reaction to anger. Suppression, projection, and control. Stop it. Like what? those three things I just said. Try to stop it. Don't try to suppress, don't try to project, and don't try to control. Stop it with those solutions I just gave. Okay, Proverbs says, a fool gives full vent in his spirit, which by the way, America is on full vent right now, but a wise man quietly holds it back. Number two, drop. What do you drop? Drop the offense or the disappointment of unmet expectation. Now this is so easier said than done. This is a whole other sermon on forgiveness, but many of us, we need to forgive. And forgiveness is not something the other person deserves or you feel. You choose to do it. Why? Because forgiveness releases you from what that person did. Forgiveness releases you from the one that's doing damage. Otherwise, you carry that person in that situation with you through life. Forgiveness is for you. It's not for the other person. It's for you. So drop the offense. Drop the offense. Third one roll. Roll the weight off of your shoulders and unto God. The anger that you have is too heavy for you to carry. Do you hear that? So roll it off unto God. Vent to Him. Vent to save others that have faith where there's no harm done. All right? I'm going to read this first, and we're going to close. It's found in 1 Peter, and it's about Jesus. If anyone had a reason to be angry, it was Jesus, who was betrayed, falsely betrayed, and accused of things that that you know what were not true, and and they were called blasphemous, and all these things, and they nailed him to a cross, the most torturous death ever invented. And, uh, it says in First Peter chapter 2, when they hurled insults at him, at Jesus, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, listen, he entrusted himself to him, meaning God, who judges justly. Jesus entrusted himself to God the Father, who is the righteous judge. And I know we talk about grace a lot, and I don't think you can overpreach grace, but you can't have grace unless there's justice. And we serve a God of justice, which means the people that have hurt you and harmed you, they'll have to answer to God. And he's a righteous judge. And for you to leverage the punishment or revenge is only going to make you more angry. It's going to be like drinking poison and hoping that other person dies. So therefore, we must roll the offense. We must roll the unmet expectations of our circumstances onto God and entrust it to him and say, God, I trust you because anger is way too heavy for me to run with. It's way too heavy for you to run with. And God doesn't want the life sucked out of you because of the energy vampire of anger. Let's bow our heads. You know what? Two things, real quickly, with every head bowed and every eye closed. If you say today, I am dealing with a situation that is creating anger and I need God's help, just that simple. That's as simple as it gets. If that's you, heads bowed, eyes closed, you say, I'm dealing with anger and I need God's help, raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Hands up everywhere. I guarantee it every location. All right? Secondly, if you say, I want to make Jesus the leader and the forgiver of my life. You keep talking about Jesus and I need to roll this onto God. Well, I don't have a relationship with him, and today I want to have a relationship with him. This is not becoming a member of a church or anything like that. It's basically saying, I believe Jesus died for my sin. I need him to forgive me, and I want to accept his unconditional love, and he's going to become the leader of my life. If that's you and you say, I want to make Jesus the leader of my life, just go ahead and raise your hand too, okay? Yeah, hands are up everywhere, okay? So let me go ahead and pray with you guys. First, let me pray for those that raise their hand the first time. Heavenly Father, for those of us that are dealing with anger, short prayer here, but an important prayer. Help us. We don't want to walk around with this anger. We don't want to weigh us down. It's making us not sleep at night. It haunts us through our days. We end up taking it out on people that don't deserve it. We end up blowing up and being triggered and all the things and god that's not who you want us to be and that's not who we want to be help us to take some truths from today's message and we need your holy spirit's help to heal our heart and help us to manage this well lord help us i pray secondly if you raise your hand in that second time and you want to make jesus the leader and the forgiver of your life Can we just all say this prayer together? But if you raise your hand, God's listening to your voice. You ready? Here we go. Let's say this all together. Jesus, I come to you today and I need forgiveness for all my sin. I believe you died for me and that you love me. I accept your unconditional love. Come into my life and be my leader in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Come on, put your hands together, all right?